Hi, Sophie. Hi, Sin. Hi, Acer. Hello. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Snack Covenant episode 261, Menace. This is a pre-intro to the actual episode because the actual episode ran a little long and was like one of our classics, which are virtually unlistenable. Yeah, it's over two hours right now. So instead of making people sit through this, we're gonna do a quick TLDR of the episode. You're so considerate. So, who is Manus? Probably Ulysses Sorcerer, who was messing with stuff he found in a grave and turned into a big hand monster. What effect did that have on Ulysses? Ooh, not very good. <laughs> What happened to Manus in the end? Killed. Becomes queens. <laughs> uh, was there ever a moment in uh, in an item description where he is referred to as a phantom? I don't think so. Like the phantom Manus? It's almost uh, it's almost three thirty where I am when we're recording yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. This is almost as funny as the penetrator. <laughs> okay, perfect. And then I'll ask a brutus to come in and be like, "Well, you heard it all. Now you don't have to listen to the podcast." <laughs> Hello everybody! Sophie, Finn, and Aether did such a good job summarizing the topic in this pre-intro that the rest of the podcast is completely redundant and you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to. But if you do enjoy redundancy, please visit patreon.com slash SinclairLore for more content that has absolutely no educational value whatsoever. We now begin Queens of Dark Souls Episode Zero. Hi, Sim. Hi, Acer. Hi. Are we recording? <laughs> Hi, everyone, and oh. welcome to the Snack Covenant episode 261. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about Manus with our special guest, Acer. Now, Acer, some people watch us exclusively for the Prepare to Lore series. For the benefit of those people, could you please tell us who you are and what you do? I'm Acer. I come on these podcasts sometimes, but I also like to go through some old uh, FromSoft games on my channel. And we uh, did a massive collaboration for a big, big Bloodborne project, which is almost 10 hours long. <laughs> And what's your channel's name? Acer Aesthetics, one word. And Acer, you're also working on a very special project. Yes, I'm working on a video game, Sin. Oh my goodness. Yes, and so I've spent the past two years building a bunch of assets, objects, codes, just building a lot of stuff with which to assemble a final game. Mm -hmm. But before dedicating myself to six or eight months of assembling something, I decided I'd do a mini game first. First of all, to get an idea for how it comes together, 
but also to get an idea for what works and what doesn't. So that mini project is uh, going to be coming out either soon or it probably is out by the time we release this. So if people want to give it a shot and tell me what is and isn't working, I'd really appreciate that. Awesome. And we'll post the links down below. Awesome. Thank you. Super duper. So now, today we're talking about Manus. And the reason we're talking about Manus, because Acer, Sophie and I are Dark Souls 2 lore professionals. And we're going to cover the four queens of Dark Souls 2. But to do that, we obviously have to talk about Manus first. So, Manus. His full name is Manus, father of the abyss. Yes. Or it is in English. Mm. Sophie did some research. Yes, yes. His uh, Japanese name is uh, Shinen no Shu Manasu. Ah, Master of the Abyss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's correct. It's uh, Master of the Abyss or Abyss Lord Manus. I don't know if you wanted to wait on this, but like the elephant in the room, he's not the furtive pygmy. I think if there was no Dark Souls 3... You could say maybe he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the implication in one is he's not, though. As far as three is concerned, he definitely isn't. As far as one is concerned, he probably isn't. It's like what happens in two where the souls get reborn. So it's like, he's clearly like just like some dude from Ulysseal, but you find him like in a place that they talk about it as like the grave of primeval man. So it's like, okay, primeval man is probably the third of pygmy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, he's someone who, like, the furtive pygmy essence was transferred into him or something. So, like, is he, isn't he? We don't know. And Sophie? Yes. Earlier you said reborn. Fuck you. (laughs) Hi, Sophie here. I'm a lot happier than normal because I'm just so excited to be talking about Reborn! Again! Reborn is an extremely influential and creative anime from 2006. Did you know that there's anime that's about a high school kid and it turns out he has special powers, but the special powers only manifest under very specific circumstances, and then he joins up with a bunch of his friends, and all the friends conveniently have a special fighting style and a unique weapon, and then they have to fight some other people, and the other people all have corresponding styles and weapons. Did you know that? Sin didn't. She made us talk about it for five hours. Back to this podcast, which is not about Reborn. Manus is the final boss of Artorias of the Abyss, which is the DLC for Dark Souls 1. Mm. Now, Manus is located in Ulysil. And we can do a little quick overview of Ulysil. For anyone who may not have done the DLC or who are not familiar with Dark Souls 1. Okay. People who are lazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling them out. Fun fact, I did the DLC, kind of. I specifically asked my boyfriend if I could play his copy on his PC so that he can do a thing where I have infinite lives. 
And I just walked around there. And at some point, the dragon died, but I didn't even encounter him because I was just walking around on air yeah. and looking at things. And okay. okay. Well, I did the DLC on level one. So between us, if you average it out, <laughs> we both did it properly. Excellent. <laughs> so, Ulysil. Sorceries were really prevalent in Ulysil. Hmm. Like, if you go there and you step on elevators, white light shines through, and people speculate that this is like special sorcery or magic making the elevators work. Yes. Well, Ulysil's really big into like light-based sorcery. Yes, it is. Is that the same magic they used to uh, operate the Sanctuary Guardians? No, not the Sanctuary Guardians, the Golems? Oh, the, the, the gardening ones. What? I only remember the gardening ones. Am I, am I talking to fake Dark Souls fans? <laughs> remember, in the, they're the ones who uh, slowed down your movement speed in Dark Oh, yeah, they know the statues, yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. So, as we were saying, Ulysil is really big into magic. And it seems to be happy magic. But... Oh, no. <laughs> some items paint a different side of Ulysil. Do we really need items to paint a different side of Ulysil? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you're on the way there and there's a giant fucking chasm with, like, stuff leaking out of it, and... <laughs> Artorius is staggering around, bleeding like Gatorade everywhere. Something might have gone wrong. Yeah, all the citizens are like <laughs> corrupted by a rotting dark aura attacking this you. This is another mystery for Inspector Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> Something's up here. Something sketchy. <laughs> and I did solve this mystery because <laughs> Dark Fog states. Abyss sorcery discovered by an Ulysil sorcerer on the brink of madness create a cloud of dark fog. Although dark fog is, in theory, relatively close to humanity, it also happens to be a terrible poison for humans. Perhaps it reflects man's cruelty against his own. Moreover, Dark Orb states, Abyss sorcery discovered by an Ulysil sorcerer on the brink of madness Fire giant dark orb. In contrast to the standard soul sorceries, abyss sorceries are weighty and inflict physical damage. Perhaps human souls, because of their humanity, produce sorceries with a more tangible presence. Do you think the uh, the old hotel owner was using those magics to uh, scare teens away from the house so he could get the old gold that was buried underneath? What? <laughs> what is this a reference to? Scooby-Doo. Because you're like a d detective. I'll level with you. I don't think we had Scooby-Doo in the Union. When I watched it as an adult, I didn't get it. <laughs> so basically, it seems like Ulysilians realized that dark sorceries are kind of powerful or intense. And you can get them by driving someone to madness type deal? So it's not clear if, like, it's that going mad is what lets you discover abyss sorcery, or that the process of discovering abyss sorcery, which they were doing anyway because it was a society of wizards, is what sent them mad. That's a very good point, Sophie. Thank you for bringing that up. 
Now, what we do know is that a toothy serpent tricked the Lysilians to upturn the grave of primeval men. What we don't know is during which stage of these dark sorcery discoveries the serpent appeared. Like, did he show up and was the catalyst for all the dark sorceries, or did he show up later and just sort of encourage them a little bit when they were already discovering all these things? So Karth lives in the abyss from what we can tell. Mm-hmm. That's where we encounter him in New Londo. So it's possible that like there was already some sort of abyss thing there because they talk about primeval man being buried there. So the grave of primeval man, like as a location, was probably always under there. So it's probably like a little, little tiny bit of abyss under all the seal. And one day a sorcerer is researching, and they hear like. Also. So I'm wondering, and maybe this is a bit uh, outside of the purview of just talking about madness. Kath presents himself as having been a friend of Gwyn at some point. Do we know why they split? Oh no, it's the other way around. It's that all the serpents were opposed to Gwyn and then Framped became Gwyn's friend. Oh. Yeah. Kingseeker Framped is like... He's he's like his fake news PR person, kind of. Like, <laughs> like, Basically, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, go and yeah. you have to you have to kindle the flame chosen on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kath is more in line with like the natural law of the world. Yeah, we should also point out that like in that dark ending, there's another ten snakes who we never meet, and yeah. if they're all aligned with, like, the dark and Framped is the outlier, then the toothy serpent that fools Ulysseel could actually have been any of them. Karth might just be, like, the new Londo one, and then there's, like, another one that's... Hmm. It's a shame there's not a line where Karth is like, Ah, I see you went to Ulysseel. I remember that place. (laughs) 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 No, he's like, a toothy serpent. That's a name I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> it's true. He does have a lot of teeth. <laughs> no, he hears it and he's like, well, I don't know who that's referring to. Because he doesn't think of himself as having a lot of teeth. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> he's like a bit self-deluded. <laughs> It's like, you know, he looks in the mirror and he sees, like, Fabio. He's like, I'm fabulous. (laughs) They could also do, like, hey, Kath, uh, were you ever in Ulasil? And then Kath is like, there was none. And then he turns around and leaves. And it's just like, he has, like, a bunch of memorabilia and stuff. It's like, I came from Ulasil. And all I got was this lousy (laughs) t-shirt. It's like a wish you were here Ulasil postcard. Yeah. He's like posing with Manus. <laughs> I don't know how that got there. <laughs> but yeah, we should get back on track. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so long story short, Ulysseans dug something up. Now there's a couple of possibilities. Alright, so... um. Some people think they might have dug up Manus, and the other theory is that 
they dug up the grave where the like essence of the abyss was. Um, this is what we meant at the start when we were talking about the third of pygmy, because it says that they upturned the grave of primeval man. And the area where you fight Manus is a grave. There's like an actual like human sort of like shaped hole in the ground and everything. And Manus is like Manus is a sorcerer, and if you look at all the descriptions of like the dark sorceries, it says that these were discovered by people from Ulaseel who were like on the brink of going mad. And like when you go to Ulaseel, everyone there is like transformed into something else because of the like the abyss and the humanity in them. So the the takeaway from that is that Manus was a guy from Ulaseel who went down into that grave area and they were possessed by like the essence of what was in the grave and that's what led them to become Manus rather than Manus was always down there. Mm. Mm. The other thing is like the way that we get into there is through a jail. So there's this other theory that like back when Manus was a human and was turning into what we now know as Manus, they were locked in that prison. Mm-hmm. And they sort of broke out through the back, and that's where we find them now. Yeah, and part of why I thought that you have to go mad to bring up the abyss is because Manus seemed to have been in that prison. And I was thinking maybe they did something, drove him mad, and that's how the abyss was unleashed. Like, I was literally picturing the healing church, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, considering... Manus is just the cleric beast. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's something that like people talk about um Chester as like, oh Chester is a Bloodborne reference. Because mm-hmm. like Artorius of the Abyss and Bloodborne were being developed kind of parallel. And um obviously like the design of Chester is very Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Which is like I don't think it's meant to be an intentional Easter egg as much as it's like this is what we're working on at the same time. So let's see if we can put like this sort of design and this kind of like cloth physics in, in Dark Souls and see how it works. Um, Manus is the other example of that because Manus is the cleric beast in a lot of ways with like one really giant arm. The way you fight him is similar to the way you fight the cleric beast. He just has the projectiles as well. How you doing? It's uh, Tsudetake Miyazaki here. So, uh, they were just talking about, like, the development of uh, Bloodborne, so I thought I'd, I thought I'd fill you all in on that. So, um, right after Dark Souls became a big hit, uh, Bandai wrote to me and immediately demanded seven sequels, and I said, fuck it, give that shit to Yui, I had to come up with my own project. And uh, I couldn't really think of anything, and unfortunately, uh, Idas still owned the rights to Berserk at that point, so I didn't know what to do. Um, so I was talking to my cousin, uh, Ricky Miyazaki, and he says to me, You know that uh, that Brotherhood of the Wolf movie? You do that, but uh, you add the Cthulhu's. So that was the genesis of Bloodborne. Uh, Dark Beast Paul is still my idea, though. Now back to these assholes. I always theorized that the cleric beast looks like Manus as, like, Miyazaki's way of saying, the biggest boss from the last game? Yeah, that's like the first boss in yeah. this one. You're, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Does that mean the first boss of Elden Ring will be Gale? Ah, you'd love that. I would. <laughs> Our favorites. <laughs>
still looking for paint. <laughs> Dark Souls 4, The Canvas Curse. <laughs> Did you know they used to make uh, paint out of mummies? Yes! What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, because they're yeah. all like powdery. Yeah, uh, artists, like painters today, they, they sorely miss... I think it was a red or a white they made out of them. Yeah, yeah. They missed that color. They also used to eat them. Yeah. As they had like unraveling parties. And you say this and it's like, oh, these barbarians. No, this was this was like 120 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this is almost in living memory. He just yeah. steals some ancient great leader from Egypt and he just, he just eat him. Wait, they stole them? Yes. Yeah. They didn't throw a party in the pyramid? No. Oh no 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 no! They just you just went to like your new New York loft with like the, in the swinging twenties or whenever, and oh um, they would just have an unraveling party where you just took the bandages and it's like a mummy that's been glazed in honey for five thousand years. Dig in. Mm-hmm. Mm. I imagine it would have tasted pretty yeah. good though. Not gonna lie. And, and obviously, the reason people who did that died shortly after was a curse. <laughs> yes. And not the fact that you've been hanging around a fucking tomb. Eating necrotic flesh. <laughs> hey, maybe that's what happened to Ulasil. They ate uh, the first yeah. pygmy. Oh well, that's that's what Gale does. Oh, oh you're God. right. It's a coming full circle. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, Damn. Yeah, he ate all the old kings. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Was he like, I miss those unraveling parties? <laughs> Remember the 1920s? My lady needs paint. She needs mummy white. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Thank Acer. You, mm -hmm. So then after Lysilians dug something up, or were possessed, or tortured Manus, or drove Manus mad... They did what the Toothy Serpent told them to do, whatever it was. They kind of unleashed the abyss on the city. Kind of. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You can see it every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> and what were the side effects of the abyss running wild? Well, since side effects of the abyss running wild include... <laughs> your arms becoming about three times as long. Mm -hmm. Are your fingernails becoming claws? Mm -hmm. Your head swelling up into a massive weird branches and glowing red eyes. Mm -hmm. Madness. Madness, Aggression. yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> slight asymmetry with one arm becoming much bigger than the other. Wait a minute. You get the Yarnum look. Yes. Oh, mm. yeah, kind of. Yeah, which is another thing that kind of happens in Dark Souls 2. Because there's these, um, you remember, no, you would know this because you were Murray Kondo in No Man's Wharf, you know, those like kind of monkey things with the really long arms. I apologize. I, yeah, that's right. They're here. Yes? They're like dark things. Like if you hold light up, they run away. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's kind of Ulysses like because they have the oh long God. arms with the claws yeah, on the end. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Cool. 
So that was the quick summary, I guess. <laughs> 40 minutes, 48 seconds. Don't worry, most of it won't make it end. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we proceed, Manus is a boss we fight. Could you please quickly describe what he looks like to refresh people's memories and for people who may not have seen him yet? He's very hard to see because you fight him in almost total darkness. Um, yeah, he, he has very squat legs and a very large torso and one very large arm. And then in his other slightly smaller arm, he's carrying a staff. His head is kind of, it looks like um, moose antlers. Like big sort of like coming off the side of his head, but there's all these little red eyes in them. Which look like the red eyes of things that are infected with the abyss in Dark Souls. It's like a little little sign that you get that there's abyss stuff going on. And um, you can actually see his red eyes in the darkness as you approach him. Because you, you approach him sort of from above, and if you look down into where you fight him, his eyes are visible glowing in there. And you can actually chase him if you want by um, positioning like a crossbow or a bow there and just shooting down into the arena at the eyes. And you can actually kill him from outside the arena that way. That's poor sportsmanship. It's a very poor sportsmanship. <laughs> I hope that in Elden Ring, they have bosses that you could theoretically do that to. But then when you do that a few times, the boss just looks at you and like throws stuff at you. And like one shots, either a big rock or some magic. And you're like, oh my god. They thought of everything. <laughs> They had those bosses in uh, Demon Souls, the dragons, where you like you chip them down to one percent health, and then they just fuck off. It's like, yeah, wow, yeah. I, all this time I spent trying to kill you. Amazing. <laughs> so, there are various locations that are relevant to Manus, and since we in the Snack Covenant love to talk about arenas. <laughs> I thought that we would frame this podcast through Manus's locations. Okay. First, there's a cave where he grabs us and transports us to the past. Then we'll talk about the jail. And we'll finish with the chasm of the abyss. Okay. Let's talk about the first location where his hand takes us into the past. That is Ulusil. So can you please describe the location and tell me more about it? Well, Sin, in uh, Darkroot Basin, there is a Hydra. Mm -hmm. And the Hydra is in some water, and the water is very, very deep. And if you're playing Dark Souls Remastered, you can't see that the water is deep. Mm -mm. What? Yeah, so uh, in the original Dark Souls, the water material shader was a little different. Oh. So you could see through, okay, this part of the water is safe and this part's not. And then Dark Souls Remastered fixed it <laughs> by making the water really, really reflective. So... When the light hits the water, you can't see anything below it, and you have no idea where the safe areas are. But you know what? They didn't fix the Hydra's terrible positioning once you've chopped up a couple of heads. Mm. They, they, that, that's still in there. Yeah, yeah, the classics. <laughs> so, when you beat the Hydra, um, you have to save and reload a couple of times, because it, like, refreshes the area. You defeat the Hydra, this leads to a gold golem spawning way, way, way behind the Hydra. And inside that gold golem is Princess Dusk of Ulusil, so if you beat the gold golem, she'll pop out and say, My hero! And then she'll fill you in on Ulusil a bit, because like that's sort of her area. 
like sort of tying Dark Road to Ulusil. Um, and then after we get the broken pendant from Seath's archives, we can go back to kind of where we found Dusk before, and a hand will come out and go, Hey, it's my pendant. <laughs> and then we'll grab you and take you back to, to Ulusil. Hmm. I have a couple of questions. How long was she sitting in that golem, and how did the pendant end up with Seath? Time is convoluted in Lordran. No, it isn't. It's very simple. <laughs> you can sort of figure it out. Like, it happened not so long ago that the legend of Artorias has not been forgotten. It is still talked about. People know roughly where it happened. People go looking for Artorias's grave. It's a known thing. Sif is still alive, although, again, Sif is like a giant magic wolf, so we don't know how long that lived for. Uh, not for much longer, sorry. Okay. So we have to, like, go find Artorias' grave. It's still roughly where, like, it would have been. Like, the grave is still there. The sword is still there, so it's not been really that long, but it's it's been long enough that the exact specifics of the story have been forgotten. So no one who's alive now, apart from Dusk, was, like, there. Yeah, we should also note, though, that it is possible that, like, the gods of Anorlando have uh, exacerbated, like, the speed at which Ulasil has dropped out of memory. We have uh, that gate on the uh, opposite side of the new Londo gate, which is just clogged up, which would lead to Ulasil, I believe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and they, uh, because they're all about fire, they would have a vested interest in people not looking too deep into Ulasil. That's true. You know, uh, I think the DLC, they kind of screwed up when they made it, because they should have given you another copy of the Covenant of Artorias if you killed Artorias before killing Sif, and then you can just not kill Sif and you could still kill the Four Kings. Yeah! That would have been perfect! But they didn't. They didn't have you on their team. Yeah, I would have made a better one. <laughs> yeah. You know what I would have had you able to do? I would have made Ornstein a summon for Calamite. Oh! Mm. That actually That's makes deep. sense. Yeah, because yeah, all the other three knights are there. That would have been cool. Yeah. What if, uh, what if Gale were summonable for Manus? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great foreshadowing if Gale was summonable? Like, who the fuck is this guy? And it's like, ah, time is truly convoluted. <laughs> that would have been perfect. I think that actually would have been like, okay, so like this summon that nobody knows anything about, and mm. now he's like this big character in Dark Souls. I think that would have been actually yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, That would have yeah. worked. Yeah. yeah. In order for this to work, Dark Souls 3 would need to have been planned. <laughs> oh, shade. <laughs> no, but like, it, it was. It just, um, it got, well, I mean, we're actually recording about that later tonight with uh, Abyss, so yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. And what is the pendant doing in Seath's archives? It's making the ac accessing the DLC more uh, annoying than it needs to be. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Seath's obsessed with two things, right? He's obsessed with sorcery and he's obsessed with dragons. <laughs> Ulusil, land of sorcery. Manus, sorcerer. Ulusil, also where Calamite was killed. And where we find Dusk now, there's a Hydra. The thing about Seath is like, um, 
His his golems are also around Darkroot Basin. He's committed to finding something in that area. Oh. Huh. Yeah. So are you saying the Toothy Serpent was actually Seath? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I, Nostradamus the Vampire, have risen from the grave to give you a quiz. Today's quiz is... What was the most epic fight with Seat the Scaleless on this channel? Leave your comment below. For extra points, leave a link to the fight. Now back to the podcast. So one last thing. Madness's hand grabs us because we have half his pendant and transports us into the past, which is Ulithil. Yeah. Where does he drop us off? Uh, the Royal Sanctuary? Yeah. Will we find the Sanctuary bit... Guardian? So, yeah, sli- slightly behind Royal Sanctuary. Awesome. Yes. Ulithil, I think it's Ulithil Sanctuary. Slightly behind Ulithil Sanctuary. Get Gonna take this idiot seriously. Thank you, Sophie. The second you referred to him as Manish and not his canonical name, Manisha, <laughs> stop paying attention. <laughs> Thank you. I should, uh, maybe we should note this, uh, just as like an addendum to, uh, the Anorlando gods have a vested interest in people not finding this. Yeah. The Sanctuary yeah. Guardian was made in Ulaseal, right? Because it has light, it has lightning bolt yeah. attacks. So I'm thinking, did the Anorlando gods create that so like nobody goes in there to disrupt what Artorius is doing? Or it, it's also described as being kind of like a demon on its soul description. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it has it has it does poison damage, doesn't it? It's got it's got a manticore tail, so it's like yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's very Seath. He just put something together. They were like, Seath, we need some guardians. Like, here you go. He just has like a lion and a scorpion lying around, and he's like, yeah. Now, interestingly enough. We're not the only person that Manus kidnaps into the past. No. Marvelous Chester. (laughs) (laughs) That was a statement, okay? (laughs) I was looking at you both. It's an audio medium. So Manus went straight into Bloodborne, grabbed poor Chester, mm-hmm. brought him to Ulysseal. Mm-hmm. Do you know what my headcanon is? What? what? Chester's Carol. Oh. I was going to make a ridiculous about it, but then GSF came along and ruined the channel. Yeah. Well, he's dead now, so. <laughs> you know what? You know what is interesting about Chester? What? Um, if chess has been pulled from the past, it implies that, like, in the future of Dark Souls, people are wearing trench coats and top hats. That's true. And then that does end up kind of happening in Dark Souls 3. Yes, Leonard! Yeah, Leonard. Yeah. And he's even got the mask on, so... 
Canonically, Chester is one of Rosaria's fingers. Oh my god! Hmm. Yeah. We can make sense of all the weird, like, what is Blank doing in Dark Souls 3 by saying they come from Dark Souls 3 and they got pulled back into Dark Souls 1. So it's like retroactively. It's actually Dark Souls 1 that's referencing Dark Souls 3. That's beautiful. I know. Yeah. Manus is just like... He's like he's like one of those claw prize machines. It's like a Manus claw and he's like trying to grab like stuff he wants. He's like, oh damn it, I got Chester. <laughs> Sophie, what you're saying is Manus is the amygdala. Yes. I mean, that is literally what happens. This giant <laughs> hand grabs you and takes you back in time. Yeah, if you, have, if you have the right objects on you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. So now let's move on to the second location that's connected to Manus. The dungeon. The dungeon. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Could you please describe it? Tell us where we find it. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, do you mean like just the dungeon area? Because like the dungeon itself is actually a pretty small part of that whole structure. Whatever you feel like. This is the problem when you design the structure <laughs> of an episode about a place you went to once with like no clip on and just ran through. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the dungeon. <laughs> I'm an expert. <laughs> okay, so what happens is you run through, like, Ulysseal Township itself. Which is uh, in disarray. It's actually, again, very similar to the Hunter's Nightmare in that, like, the city is sort of sinking into this morass. And you progress by going over the roofs of the buildings. And, yeah, that leads you down into a dungeon. But the dungeon is, like, it's like one room with a bunch of cells on the side. Um, it, it's not a big complex one like uh, Lost Bastille from Dark Souls 2. It's kind of like the one from Bloodborne, actually, where it's just basically that is just a hall with some cells. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit bigger than that, and there is a chain person in the middle, and they're not happy. No. No. What is that guy about? Um, it's a very good question. Answer it. Presumably, they're just like a prisoner that was... They're a prisoner that's turning into something, and they chained them up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, it's like the pus of man was exploding from them, and they just like, yeah. hmm, we must contain this transformation. That's what we'll say. <laughs> I think the actual answer is like, that was like an enemy that they deleted from the base game, and we're like, yeah, we'll use it here. It's a prisoner. Miyazaki-san, what are you doing here? Hey, hello! How you doing? <laughs> Okay, so I I think I can't exactly I don't know one hundred percent, but like I think that enemy is like something from that they cut from the base game, and then they sort of recycled by having oh, it's a mutated prisoner. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And how is this area related to Manus? Uh, assumably, Manus, the dude. See, we talked earlier about what exactly they dug up. If we assume that they were torturing him, then there's some interesting implications. First, in that there's a bonfire in his cell. So if they accidentally kill him in torture, uh, he'll just respawn there. Really convenient. Oh my god! 
But see, that, I don't know if that's lore or if that's just... No, we put a bonfire there because we needed a bonfire. bonfire. God, I love that lore. We're undead around then? Well, I mean, there are bonfires around... I don't yeah. know. Like, when we get into Ulaseel in, in yeah. the t- flashback, that doesn't, like... That's maybe, like, how long ago has this been going on? So, yeah. like, they have bonfires at that point. Hmm. Also, you talked earlier about... Uh, Chester being one of Rosaria's fingers. Mm-hmm. That wasn't serious. <laughs> no, no, but... no, we're serious. I know. What what does Rosaria want? Tongues. 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 Hey, what did they cut out of Griffith in Berserk? <gasps> well, a lot of things actually, but also his tongue. <laughs> and his tongue. And what does Griffith? What does Griffith and Manus, if Manus is a prisoner, have in common? The pendant. Oh, mm. that's right! Yeah, yeah. Yes. I I lean on the idea that he was like a prisoner there, because I think it makes sense that Miyazaki's like, oh, I need, like, a dark story for this guy. I know, I'll just do Griffith. Let me get out my copies of Berserk. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Let me just brainstorm. Reaches over to his bookshelf. Oh, my only manga. <laughs> I think I feel like people always kind of exaggerate Berserk's influence, but I think that one is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Well, he was probably like a sorcerer that he was started to transform, so they locked him in the prison because he was going mad yeah. and changing. And then that's not very nice. No, and also his no, pendant no. was the only thing that uh, kept him sane. Yeah, and yeah. They just yeah. took it away from him or yeah. something. Yeah, you know, you know who else uh, turns into a monster and has a pendant? Who? Lawrence? Lawrence? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Do you think Shura awoke within Manus? Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. Now, one last question. By which mechanism did the abyss spread in Ulusil? Wilson, according to you, the abyss is airborne. (laughs) (laughs) That's going way back. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody knows this reference. (laughs) No one made it. I think they might. They probably remember when it was uploaded, but they didn't make it that far in. Hi, Sophie here. The Abyss Being Airborne is a reference to a video that Sin and I made several years ago in collaboration with fellow influencer Aegon of Astora. The Abyss is described as something without a set form that moves from place to place, twisting the world around it. This makes perfect sense within the fantasy universe of Dark Souls, unless you're Sin, who demanded a purely physical explanation. When Aegon and myself failed to provide one, because there isn't one, Sin decided that the abyss must be airborne, a sinister, invisible cloud moving around Lordran, Dranglake, maybe Lothric, and wherever the Ringed City is, and making bits of the ground melt. Yet another good reason to wear a fitted mask when out in public. 
back to the podcast. I look forward to seeing how much of this podcast survives. (laughs) Honestly, surprisingly, a lot of it will. (laughs) Now, let's talk about the last area and the boss fight. The chasm of the abyss. We didn't even talk about the dungeon. (laughs) Oh. We just got sidetracked. So, if anybody has anything else to add about the dungeon, speak now or forever hold your peace. Sin, I've been needing to say. (laughs) Hey, Sophie, you look like you've got something to say. Do you? I certainly do, Asa. Thank you. So, the reason that we're bringing up the dungeon is that one of the cells is what leads to the Chasm of the Abyss, which is the next area. Which makes it seem like, okay, was Manus in that cell? And then when he turned into Manus the monster, he like broke out the back of the cell and sort of dragged himself to the abyss that way. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. Now, let's move on to the last part. The chasm of the abyss. Can you please describe it? Dark. Dingy. It's kind of like a less annoying Tomb of the Giants. Right. It's dark, but not so dark that you will fall off cliffs if you don't bring a light source with you. There's also no enemies who are flailing around wildly with bad hitboxes trying to kick you off ledges. Yeah, yeah. Now, how is the Chasm of the Abyss related to Madness? He's th- he's in it. Yeah, it's his, it's his house. <laughs> Okay, so, like, talking about the abyss um, moving around, kind of, like, the chasm of the abyss itself is probably not like the abyss. It's more like an excavation site where they were digging up the grave of primeval man. So digging, digging, digging. We actually, we go to the abyss in, um, in the base game, and it's the area under New Londo. And if we go there without the covenant, we die instantly. So the fact we can wander around the Chasm of the Abyss uh, without the Covenant, it's not the Abyss, it's just like a place. Abyss adjacent. It's Abyss adjacent, yeah, yeah. So like, Ulysseel were like digging and digging and digging, it's actually very like Bloodborne Chalice Dungeon-y, and they were like excavating this sort of weird tomb, and that's what the Chasm is, it's like where they were digging, basically. So it's a series of like caves. There's little prism stones left there, presumably by like people who'd been there before to mark the way. Also kind of like Tomb of the Giants. And um, yeah, it's full of humanity sprites, which are like basically the humanity icon from Dark Souls with a face that chases you. And um, I'm trying to think if there's other stuff down there. It's not actually very... It's one of those areas that like Dark Souls does a lot where... You remember it being absolutely massive, but it's not. It's just very intricate in its design, so you're you're there for a long time. So it seems like it's very, very large, and then when you actually step back, you're like, oh, this is actually like two minutes long. You can just jog through it. Mm. (laughs) Um, Sif is there, and and Alvina is there. Yeah. Quickly on the Abyss moving, it moved just over one bridge straight into New Londo. So it, it's possible that uh, Karth is the one from uh, Ulaseel. He's just like, yeah. I kind of screwed up this place. Just move right on over. <laughs> well, did, did, did he screw it up? Because I think he got what he wanted. 
well, yeah, it's possible. Because, like, the whole thing about Karth is he's trying to get, like, the Lord of Dark to be born. And Manus is the closest we get for a while. So, like, Manus is, like, basically what happens to us, where he's like, oh, seek dark. So, like, Manus is probably, probably quite happy with Manus. Honestly. Yeah. Just that, um, this is in the past, so I'm assuming, like, Manus didn't work out in the play. Maybe someone, I guess we kill him. Yeah. Maybe Karth is creating a time loop where we kill the Lord of Dark, absorb their soul, get all the dark into us, then someone goes and kills us, and then they get it. It just goes around and around infinitely until, like, you reach critical dark mass. Are you tell? Are you telling me that we are the original soul of Cinder, but the soul of Dark? Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Mind blown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't actually think that. Don't leave comments. <laughs> I mean, okay, there's there's us, there's Manus, and there's Gale, and yeah. Lothric. So, mm-hmm. of the four, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Karth is associated uh, with all of us except Gale? Because well, Karth was supposed to be in Dark Souls 3. Okay, so, like, we don't know for certain if Karth was supposed to be in it as a character, but we do know that, like, there's references to Karth existing in it. Yeah, and wasn't he, like, the mentor of the Lothric boy? Well, okay. Let's let's step back a bit. Okay. If you're me, right, you think Karth was the tutor that they talk about, the scholar, because it's like, what's Karth's MO? Karth's MO is he goes around finding kingdoms, and then he shows up and he's like, psst, kid. Maybe you want to go, this dark stuff's pretty good. And he's, like, getting them to basically, like, hey, go mess with this dark stuff and see what happens. It's what he does to Ulsil, it's what he does to New Londo. So then when you hear about, oh, Lothric, uh, this, like, really advanced kingdom, and suddenly the leaders of the kingdom got really obsessed with this dark stuff because a mysterious scholar was saying, like, hey, uh, maybe you want to look into this a little more, which is what Karth would do. So I think, and... I still think, honestly, that, like, in a, a roundabout way, because Dark Souls 3 is, like, hacked up and rewritten so many times, that, like, the tutor, the scholar, was probably Karth. Either Karth or, like, an emissary of Karth, like, someone who's working for Karth, like, a Yuria sort of character. But then, like, other people think it's Aldia and other people think it's Sullivan. So, like, it, it never specifies. It never says. I don't think it could make sense being Aldia. Number one, because we kill him. But uh, <laughs> but also because that's not what that's not all DSD. Yeah, exactly. All DSD yeah, yeah. is all about like find something else. Yeah, yeah. We don't really kill Aldia because like after he dies, he keeps talking to us. Uh, this, yeah. is the most, this is the most point, narratively pointless fight in the series. Where it's like, <laughs> but that speech he gives, that speech he gives at the end is so good. Where he's like, there is no path. He could have given you the speech without fighting you beforehand. Yeah. It's like it's also a goofy fight. It's just a big face. He's yeah. a big face, and he has little tentacles that go, <laughs> and then he does this fireball thing with two little tentacles come up, and he goes. Well, he's a scholar. He's doing his best. Okay. I relate. I relate. <laughs> if you had to fight me, it'd probably be quite like that. Just my hair is just like going, <laughs> and then I can't open the door. <laughs> One of Sin's favorite facts about me. It's true. Would Sin be like fighting Gale, where you're like 
you meet her and she's like eating some snacks or something. All right. Two days ago, Sin called me and then she wasn't on camera and I'm sitting like I don't know where you where you are and she wanders in like like this monster like from the other side of the camera and she's just got this giant hunk of meat. She's just like, yes, <laughs> and I'm sitting there with my scented candles in a little china cup, and it's like, oh, the contrast has never been more defined. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sam. But so, yeah, the abyss, chasm of the abyss. Yeah. There's a hole there. There's a yeah, man-shaped yeah. hole. Yes. A manhole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Also point out that, like, um, another example of, like, what is and is not the abyss is the the dark chasm of old in Dark Souls 2, which is kind of implied to be, again, like, abyss adjacent. Um, It's a similar place to the dark chasm of the abyss in that it's just, it's a dark chasm and... You progress by falling through holes in the ground. It's it's very sort of weirdly dreamlike. Like you you just run to the end of corridors and fall through and then you're just somewhere else. And it, it sort of has no no real geography to it. Like there's no Covenant of Artorias, obviously, in two, and it it just sort of goes on and, and the the final boss is like a sort of embodiment of dark called the Dark Lurker, which like isn't Manus. But it's sort of it's getting there, like and like Man- Manus looms large over two, even though Manus himself doesn't show up. So when we were talking about Manus's crypt, mm. I called that part of my notes the Manus crypt manuscript. <laughs> Is there anything else anybody would like to add? Wilson, Sif, and Alvina are both in the chasm of the abyss. What are they doing there? Nothing. Um, <laughs> Sif is hiding. Oh. Sif is hiding because, like, presumably that's when Artorius, like, went to the chasm. So that yeah. sort of, that actually gives you an interesting time scale because, like, Sif in the chasm is very small in comparison to when we fight her. So yeah. Sif is like a puppy, basically, when Artorius takes her to the abyss. Yeah. And then, um... Wait he, a minute, he, Sophie. What? Yeah. So now you're getting me to think, why would Arturius take a puppy into the abyss? Well, it's a very big puppy. It's a puppy version of a giant wolf. But it's like, still a puppy. I don't care how big Corvo is. I'm never taking him to the abyss. It was a baby Yoda situation. Yeah. It was a also, baby the, the puppy can, Aww. like, kill Manus for you. How? You can summon Sif for the Manus fight. Oh, that's neat. This is what happens when you skip the DLC. You completely <laughs> skip it, and then you're like, "I'm just going podcast about it." Oh, what? Did you play the Dark Souls two DLCs? I only play the true Dark Souls two, which is Scholar of the First Sin. That has yes. the DLCs in it. I don't know which thing is the DLC. I just play everything. You okay? Good. I'm so glad we decided to do this DLC series. <laughs> Yeah, you are doing a series on the DLCs of Dark Souls 2 on the basis of the channel you are still on No Man's Wharf. <laughs> what is Alvina doing there? Alvina is there to lead you to Sif. Okay. I yeah. thought she was just like trolling us, being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> 
Alex is just distracting his over here. <laughs> I did it for the lols. <laughs> yeah, so like Alvina's whole thing, like in the present, is she's protecting Sif. So if you talk to her, she's like, mm-hmm. oh, Taurus, uh, never heard of him. Uh, there's nothing <laughs> to hear. And like the whole Forest Hunter Covenant is like, hey, get out of my garden. Mm-hmm. Get out of here because you don't want to mess with Sif. You don't want to mess with Artorias. So Alvina's like in the past doing the same thing. She's like, if you want to rescue Sif, Sif is through here. Because Sif is hidden behind an illusory wall and surrounded by humanity sprites. Yeah. So it's like the whole thing with Artorias is like Artorias, when he went there to begin with, he, he had a sword and a shield. And the arm that had the shield, he was, like, blocking the abyss with it, and it crippled his arm, and that's why when you fight him, he's only got the one working arm. And um, I think, this is one of those things that goes back and forth a lot, I think the implication is, like, Artorius is actually, he's fighting you with his sword in his offhand. He was actually left-handed. And he's fighting you with the sword in his right hand, because his other arm got crippled by using the shield. I can't remember. It's based on, like, a shot of him walking backwards that's, like, cover art, so I don't know how to take it. So if you follow Alvina around the Chasm of the Abyss, she will lead you to an illusory wall behind which is Sif. Sif is being protected by, presumably, the barrier that Artorias put around Sif. If you defeat the humanity sprites outside the barrier, Sif is rescued, and you can summon Sif to fight Manist. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. What was Manus like before we encounter him in the boss fight? He was a sorcerer, presumably. So, like, we we compared Manus to, like, the Cleric Beast. And we compared, like, the prison area to kind of, like, the Healing Church prison. But it's very similar, because it's like, oh, we're a bunch of scholars, and we went underground, and we found this weird stuff and started researching it, and it turned us into monsters. Except in Bloodborne, it's blood, and in Dark Souls, it's humanity. And then in Dark Souls 3, it's the blood of humanity. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. Thank you, Sim. Now, Sophie, you prepared something for us from Manus's number one fan. Yes, yeah, so um, Acer doesn't know who Bubble is. And I think a lot of people listening probably don't know who Bubble is. So I will... I'll just paste some uh, images of Bubble in the... In, in the Discord, so I have permission to use these in the podcast, so this is Bubbles, she's wearing her Manus shirt. Oh my goodness! And you might think, oh, she really likes Manus. No, 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 no. Behold, this is Bubbles' bespoke Manus body pillow. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she had this specially made so that every night she can cuddle with Manus. Here's some artwork of Bubble, drawn by uh, her friend Ham. <laughs> so, um, Bubble is a friend of, of mine, and uh, she hangs around the chat sometimes. And so when when I heard we were doing Manus, I had to ask her, I had to ask her, um, how do you feel about Manus? Here's her response. Manus, tragic backstory that is easily forgotten, hot monster and canonically has children. He's named Master of the Abyss in Japanese, but I think Father of the Abyss is better because he's the source of the Abyss, unlike the Four Kings who just created a pool of Abyss by causing too much humanity. The Abyss came from within him, which is hot, that's why he's the daddy. 
It's lukewarm. Uh, which, if Isolith had a Lord Soul powerful enough to turn everyone into demons, Manus had the ability to turn everyone into eldritch creatures. Also, when he does his dark sorcery moves, he is so handsome. <laughs> All those hoes and simps thirst over Artorias's sloppy moves, but he's nothing but a dying man flailing his arms uselessly. <laughs> <laughs> but Manus said his most powerful, handsome, majestic, amazing, and cool. He's good at melee and sorcery, and has the thickest health bar in the game, 6666. Well sculpted and gorgeous, he is a work of art. That was beautiful poetry. Thank you. you know what? You know what? Uh, Bubble, you're not the weirdest person I've met in this uh, FromSoft community. <laughs> Thank you for sharing this with us, Bubble. <laughs> Here's some Artorias and Manus shipping art that I've got from her. <laughs> and um, finally, here is Manus if Manus had to work at a maid cafe. <laughs> thank you, Bubble. Yes, thank you, Bubble, for sharing these with me because um, she has these commissioned for her. And it was very nice of her to, to let us use them. Yeah. Yeah. We're almost dead, Acer. Cool. <laughs> so, you know, it's a good podcast when you have to reassure the guest that it's almost over. <laughs> now, let's move on to the last part of the podcast. On Discord, we asked people to share their Manus theories with us. We're going to say if they're hot or not. <laughs> okay. Okay. So who wants to read out the first theory? Uh, I will. Okay, and when you read it, you have to read the name of the person and then... That's not a real name, but I'll read it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Armaria Nan sent uh, Manus looks like a demon because the chaos flame is kindled by humanity. The fair lady feeds off humanity, feeds off of humanity. So the chaos flame transforms people into Manus-like beings because it makes their humanity go wild. So chaos is basically a fiery abyss. That's hot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Colin with two L's says, I kind of think whatever made the Type Knight demons based them on Manus. They both have staves and the statue walking with the broken leg gives them a similar walk. They both have tails and the half circles on the Type Knight demons back could be an artistic interpretation of the eye antlers that Manus has. So that's our second Manus demon thing, yeah. Mm. Mm. I think this is a fine theory. <laughs> That's a great theory, Colin. Don't listen to Acer. Matoma, 1A, <laughs> wrote, I think that Manus and Ulasil served as an inspiration to Seath. The Abyss and humanity in general seems capable of transforming people and Seath eventually starting experimenting on humans, transforming them into other beings. 
I think Seath was trying to replicate the metamorphosis he either heard about or observed in Ulasil so that he could transform himself. So he began testing this phenomenon on humans. This theory provides a secondary explanation on why Seath has his minions in Darkroot Garden if he was trying to procure everything relating to Ulasil that he could. After all, crystal golems can be observed obtaining items and people from Ulasil and bringing them back to the Duke's archives. Furthermore, this could explain why Priscilla has ties to the Dark with her occult dagger. Mm. And if the experiment that created her was based on trying to utilize and manipulate the Dark and Dragon genetics. Thank you for that theory, Matoma. It's very good. Doomkitty3000 says, If you shuffle Manus's name, you get Samsung without a G. Coincidence? Mm, no. I, I think that was intentional. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, right, AC, you want to read the next one? Manus also means hand. Yeah, so, and then Doom Kitty points out, mobile phones are also called handy phones. It all fits. It all, it all makes sense. Thank you, Arky and Doom Kitty, for making this theory come together. Yeah. Always on their damn phone. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a terrible, like, boomer cartoon. Manus has one giant hand because he's always on his phone. <laughs> I think Sin should read the... I think you should read the final one. Okay. Our divinator Arky says, Well, we know that Manus was killed so hard that his animus exploded into a bunch of waifus. Sophie, do the outro. That was The Snack Covenant Episode 261, colon, Queens of Dark Souls 2, colon, Episode 0, Manus. Thank you, and we had a very special guest on with us. Hi. Hey, sir, if people want to find you on social media, where should they look for you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube, uh, Acer Aesthetics. We talked about this in the beginning. But you can also find me on Twitter. I have the hottest gamer me. me. <laughs> <laughs> You did a tweet where you were offering Dark Souls facts and too many people liked it. No, it was Bloodborne facts. Bloodborne facts, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I'll, I have 15 in the bag. It's like at 53. And I know that's not like the biggest tweet in the world or anything, but 53 facts just from the top of your head, that's hard. You would never understand my pain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sophie, did you know that... Uh, the Dark Souls, it's actually written in English first. It's written in Jersey first, and then that's translated <laughs> into so. Only the Jersey dub is canon. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. Thank you, Acer. Thank you, Sin. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And see y'all next time! Bye! Bye-bye! Bye! -bye. Bye.